Hey, it's Bill. Just quickly before we start, I wanted to mention that I did some voice acting as part of a audio drama anthology series called Someone Dies in This Elevator. Now, the Kickstarter to raise money to actually pay all of the people involved and fund future projects, etc., is starting this Friday. So I've added some links to the show notes for their website and where you can get all the information about that when it starts up. And I've also added a trailer for the show at the end of the episode. All right. Thanks. Bye. Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles. This is chapter five of What Alice Found, our fun, our cool new uh, connected arc. Uh, and it's been going really well so far. How have you been enjoying it, Danny? I'm enjoying the fact that you didn't start by saying, it's and creepy. it's really weird. It's getting creepy. <laughs> you don't like it when I call your work weird? I don't mind it, but when it's every episode, you start to feel something. So we are five weird episodes into this really strange arc, and we have guests every episode who come on and play through an escape room that Danny has created. And you can play them at home if you want I'm trying to remind people they can do this because some people don't know. You can download all of Danny's notes and run the room for your friends or have your friends run it for you. This episode, we have two guests, one new, one returning. Uh, our returning guest is you know, it's just, it's just you know, regular old Neil Patrick Harris back again. What? His third try. <laughs> His third attempt. His third attempt. Uh, welcome back to the show, Neil. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And our, uh, our new, our shiny new guest is voice actor, podcaster, entertainer, cool person, Janet Varney. Welcome, Janet. Woo. Oh, please. I'm just regular old Janet Varney, just like regular old Neil Patrick <laughs> you, Harris. You are shiny new best friend Janet Varney. That's right. The, it, I'm not tarnished. The patina has not even started to cake on to me yet. I am fresh as a daisy. Wonderful. Well, I'm very excited to have the two of you on. Uh, this should be a lot of fun. This is going to be so exciting because Janet loves herself some escape room dynamics, and we have been friends for a long time. We met uh, initially, my husband David, who's also an actor, um, was on a reality show called On the Lot, which mm -hmm. was to find the great uh, next American director. It was produced and oh. uh, uh, by Steven Spielberg, and uh, mm. Janet and David were both in the acting talent pool and so every week they would be tasked oh. with performing in a new short film that the contestants were shooting and so we oh, both so took cool. a great shine to janet and then since then she loves puzzles she loves escaping things she loves puppets and we and she's a <laughs> writer executive producer and guest star on Neil's Puppet Dreams, which is a series <laughs> that we did together with the Henson yeah. Alternative Puppets, that if you wanted to pause this and go watch, there's how many ep episodes do we do of that, Janet? Oh, gosh. I think we have like ooh, six or eight. Six or we eight. eight. We did. We <laughs> oh, wrote these seven episodes, episodes for yeah. the, the, the Jim Henson Alternative Puppets, and they let us film it. We filmed it on their, on their sound stages. And we just had a super blast and recorded songs. And I just can't be a bigger fan of Janet Varney. Oh, <laughs> you interviewed me. She does a thing called San Francisco Sketch Fest, where she's one of the co-creators. And that's a big comedy festival that's in San Francisco, California, every year. You've been doing it for how many years? 20. It would, this, 20 week, this would be years. 20, but we did. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. That's crazy. 
Yeah, it's nuts. She's just an exquisite person, as lovely on the inside as beautiful on the outside. And <laughs> I'm so excited to be doing this with her. That's all I have to say. I'm like her agent, apparently. <laughs> There's no way I'm not going to stink up this episode so <laughs> bad now. There's no way I'm not going to be disappointing. There's absolutely no way. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, have you two actually done escape rooms together? God, have we done? I think we maybe did an escape room in Los Angeles a million years ago, but I don't, I don't I know. Don't or maybe either. we were always just doing escape rooms at the same time as each other, but not the escape room that we did. I think we did haunted housey things during Halloween. Certainly, that's true. I was actually telling these guys about that before you came on. It feels like an escape room in, in many ways, some of those, because you get lost in rooms. You have to solve tasks in order to not get murdered by whoever's chasing you. So. Wonderful. Well, this is mostly coming to our what we usually ask is our first question to guests, which is what is your escape room experience? Although I would like to mention that for all you people at home who enjoy our show, uh, Janet is one of the reasons that this show exists, because we first got into the idea of escape rooms as something to do, but also as media that you can make of people just playing escape rooms because we were big fans of escape with janet varney uh, on youtube which was a fantastic show where and you it took was also one of the things like we've had people uh tell us before that they like listening to the show but they're a bit intimidated to try real escape rooms and i get that because i was exactly the same before we had done escape rooms and being able to watch escape with janet varney on youtube made it so much easier to look in and see what escape rooms mm. were like it was incredibly helpful for getting into the hobby so welcome to your show janet thank you so much this episode just got stinkier. It's more stinky to come <laughs> because now I also have the added pressure of having hosted an escape room centric show. There is no <laughs> way I'm not going to draw a blank upon everything. Hey, hey everybody. Are you ready for this? Oh, She's going to be so good. Oh, it's one of my and just, favorite just things listen. about Janet is that she can take a compliment. <laughs> oh, you mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, oh. the other aspect of this show, other than just escape rooms, is it's escape rooms sort of mixed with like a tabletop role-playing version of escape rooms. We're doing it all audio. We're just discussing it. So, uh, Janet, do you have any tabletop role-playing experience? I say it's limited i would have said almost none but i have now in the last five six seven years done so maybe 10 years i've done so many as a guest on other people's shows or in other people's mm -hmm. games that i don't it's not really fair for me to say that i have no experience but again it will seem as if i have no experience <laughs> due to the stink Due to the utter stink that you're about to experience, but no, I, I like. I think the last uh, thing I did was the um, like the Lovecraft sort of themed Cthulhu oh. uh, took place in Victorian England, and I was, <laughs> I don't need to subject anyone to that, <laughs> not even for one more. But I feel like my name is Scraps, like I was an orphan. It was and I named Scraps. Myself it was. Scraps. Yeah, I'm Scraps. Oh, blimey, Governor, is that unspeakable horror? Yeah. So um, I'll, I will not be doing that voice indeed ever again. Certainly not on this episode. But yeah, so I've had, I've had a little experience. I've had a little experience. So there we have it. Professional role player, Janet Barney. <laughs> uh. Oh, boy. And Neil, have you done any interesting new tabletop role playing or jaunts? escape room related things recently? Um, as far as tabletop gaming, I have done very little. My son, Gideon, who is in the fourth grade and 10 years old, is very into the Dungeons and the Dragons. And there's mm. a new big book that came out uh, just a few days ago, I guess, uh, or maybe recently called Tasha's 
cauldron of everything. And so he could, he is apoplectic. He's so excited because there's new <laughs> classes. There's a class where they make armor and there's a class and they shoot things out of their hands. So, so I'm not playing the games, but I'm sitting while my son just drones on and on and stands in like in a circle and walks around me just explaining all of the different dynamics of the new version of DD. That's my tabletop uh, experience. <laughs> Recently, uh, I was traveling. I've been traveling around and working. And so we finished up Matrix 4 in Berlin, Germany, and I got to do some escape rooms there. And then I went and did a comedy movie with Nicolas Cage in Budapest, Hungary, which is not a sentence many people get to say. (laughs) Budapest is like, that's very escape room central. Oh, yes. Is it really? As it turns out, there were like 10 or 12 different escape room companies in Budapest. The Mm. whole place was completely locked down. 8 p.m. curfew, no restaurants were open, and I managed to go to three escape rooms. So I escaped the hotel, I escaped the production company, and (laughs) I managed to escape... Escape COVID. You escaped COVID. (laughs) I escaped COVID? Yeah, I did pretty well. I mean... Um, In addition to playing the escape games, I have released an escape room kind of game called Box One that was a Target exclusive in the U.S. And now, if I'm not mistaken, you can order it internationally, which just happened in the last week or so. It's an escape room-ish type game for one person. The conceit is it's a party game for just one, Box One, not for for a, a group. Lots of games for groups, lots of apples to apples, lots of Cards Against Humanities, but there's not a lot of things you can do by yourself in an evening. You could have right. someone else play with you. It doesn't have to be for one, but you play it. And I designed it for this type of audience, the people that listen to Escape This Podcast. Mm. And I feel like it's the kind of thing that you would really be able to enjoy on your own and have it turn into something that you didn't expect. We played it last that night. 12 hours ago. And it was fantastic. So it has our, it our really wholehearted enjoyable. support. Huzzah. So go and buy it. There's a, in fact, there's a link in the show notes. Go and, go and go and click on that and buy it. All right, wonderful. Well, we can we can get straight into the, straight into the game. Part five. Part, Part five. five. Are you are you all ready to be? Oh do, you have, do you have pen and paper? Oh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay, I'm sorry in advance. My voice is really high. Okay, I'm bringing I'm bringing it down. <laughs> bring it down, bring it down. It's me. Oh, I'm Scraps and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play. Me and Scraps going to take this escape room all the way to the bank we are. (laughs) All right. All right. Daily, let's get going. Okay. Uh, It's 1849 in Victorian England. Oh, no. Finally, things are going my way. Bless your fingerless gloves. (laughs) All right. Do you have the script open? I do. You want to do the scripty bits? All right. It is so late. Blake's going to be so upset you can't help thinking. But, well, you don't know if that's true. Your relationship isn't what you thought it was, so who knows? You're still sitting in the car in the parking lot outside LC Electronics. The kid working, Colin, has closed up and left for the night, but he watched your car very carefully as he went. You suppose you're still being watched by someone right now but you also have someone telling you they're trying to help who one face immediately comes to mind ryan he's the most helpful person you know you've been friends for years in fact he's meant to be the officiant at your wedding tomorrow and of course he's the captain of your local police precinct 
Nothing says trust like Ryan. I mean, look, of course, you can't dance around the fact that if Blake was part of this big conspiracy to record every moment of your life, Ryan very well could be too, but you have a good feeling about him. Someone out there is definitely helping you. That person exists, so they might as well be Ryan. And what a stroke of luck. You happen to know that he switched shifts this weekend to fit in your wedding, so he's on the red-eye schedule tonight. You start the car and drive to the police station. If anyone tries to stop you, or if you at any point get a bad feeling about Ryan, eh, you can just say, Oh, I only came here because I thought I lost my wallet. Easy. You step into the precinct, and you immediately feel claustrophobic. Ugh, there aren't even any good-sized windows in here, and everything is just so... crimey. It looks... and you realise you shouldn't be surprised by this. It looks exactly like a police station on a TV show. The door that you've entered is in the middle of the south wall, and all the space to your left heading over to the west corner is taken up by a holding cell for people who have just been arrested. Over to your right, in the southeast corner, is an enormous evidence locker, which is basically a bunch of storage shelves cordoned off by a floor-to-ceiling chain fence. See, super crimey. In fact, on the wall immediately to the right of the front door, you even see a most wanted criminals list pinned up. There's a door in the northeast corner of the room that leads to an interrogation room. Beside that door, you see a large corkboard with several photos and strands of red string pinned oh, to it. Finally, we got to the red string. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that uh, when Neil gets to the board with pins and red string, he has to sing the opening to Series of Unfortunate Events? Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll do it. I'm sure he has to. All right. In the northwest is Ryan's desk, the big fancy captain's desk. Against the west wall is a flatbed trolley covered in CPR training dummies. All right, and then uh, wherever else you've got room on the floor, scattered all about, you've got the regular policeman's work desks. Mm-hmm. Scattered. And how many are there? Yep. Roughly half a dozen, oh, but whatever boy. feels okay. right. There are X. There can be two if you want. They sound important. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? Whoa. I've done that. I've done angry. Yeah. Uh, all right. An angry voice comes from behind you and you jump. Whoa, it's Ryan. Oh, but he was coming from outside. Eh, maybe he was just in the bathroom or something. He seems exhausted. <sighs> What's the matter? You look freaked. Well, yeah, after that. Look, you wanted to be subtle and sort of cautious, but you can't help it. Ryan has such nice, understanding, friendly eyes, so you just, you blurt out everything. Everything you've been through through the last couple of days. The escape room, the cameras, the cake, the secret room at the LC store. And at the end of it, you just say, and you're helping me, aren't you? And Ryan holds his arms open for a hug. Of course. You accept his embrace and feel immediately comforted. He gives you a reassuring squeeze, and then a uh, not-so-reassuring shove backwards into the empty holding cell. Mm -hmm. What? Sorry. He locks the cell, and then he locks the front door as well. You're clearly going through some severe cold feet about tomorrow. People are spying on you? I'm calling Blake. 
You need a good night's sleep to get over this. You yell your objection, but he raises a hand to silence you, and he looks pretty irritated. Just shut up, all right? I can't do this right now. I'm, I'm about to crack the biggest case of my career. Do you know what that means? It means I can finally knock one of the names off that most wanted list. Only a handful of captains ever get to do that. So I cannot deal with your relationship drama right now. He then slides his keys under the front door, trapping you both inside. Hmm. And uh, your heart falls into your stomach. Okay, great. He's in on it, or he's too self-absorbed in his own stuff to care about your problems. But either way, it feels like the biggest betrayal yet. He goes to sit at his desk, sighing to himself, getting back into work, which you don't even know if it's actually real, and you're stuck. I mean, unless there are other keys lying around, other police officers must have their own sets, right? There must be a way to find them, without Ryan noticing. From the holding cell... Yeah, you're, I want to say you're free to explore, but there's a hefty asterisk with that. First of all, I want to say, for the record, I did not trust Ryan. I don't care for <sighs> him. I felt that his hug was slimy. It felt I was afraid he was going to, like, stick a needle in my neck. That's how much I was not really trusting Ryan. So I'll let that be known. Let me just say, in exchange, since we're, we're both playing the same person, I, on the yeah. other yeah. side, the other half of the brain, really... Yeah felt for his embrace. I felt that Ryan was, was special and that we had a moment and I was kind of gutted to find out you that see how Ryan conflicted was, I was am? behaving. Deeply, deeply conflicted. Danny, where is Ryan uh, within the room? Uh, he's some distance. Like you are, let's say, if you were in the bottom left corner, his desk is in the top left corner, let's say. So you're a corner of a room away from each other. And what else is in the holding cell? you take a look it's mostly empty this flat barred off corner has a metal bench to sit on you do see one thing on the floor a discarded sweater which must have been left here by some previous incarcerate and as you look around you also notice that it's kind of cold in here you look up and see there's a vent for the air conditioner right above your head blasting icy air at you Neil, your thoughts. We gotta get out through that vent, baby. We gotta check out that vent. I don't know about this sweater. I, look, if we pick it up and put it on, maybe there's something hidden inside, like a solution to all of this. Can we examine the sweater? I'd love to. Sure. You you pick it up, and immediately you almost drop it again, because, ow, why is it pointy? You examine it closely, and you realize... Wow, this thing must have been used in a really serious burglary or something, because all through it are stuck little shards of glass. Some of them are too small to see, some of them are large enough that they could be like little pocket knives. And it's making the sweater very, you know, sharp, but also very fraying. It's creating some mm. long, frayed woolen threads at the edges. Mm -hmm. I'd love to tug on those and, yeah, right, maybe just uh, pocket some of those threads. I'm a f I'm a frayin that we're going to have to take some of these pieces of glass and put them in our inventory. <laughs> I smashed my face into the sweater to get glass on it just to distract myself from that terrible pun. I, uh, quick, I need help. All right, listen, that didn't really happen. I, I just, that didn't really happen. Uh, oh, I just sorry. wanted you to make your sweater a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he. All right. So, but right. The, so, so, can we unravel and kind of uh, like ball up some uh, some of that uh, yeah, yarn absolutely. I keep hearing about? 
Absolutely. You take one of the sleeves and you start pulling at it and the threads, despite being all glassy, stay remarkably intact. You can get some pretty long ones out of there. And eventually you can get a really nice, very long spool of wool, thread. thread. A jumper's actually made of wool. I always use the word wool, but Jumpers I don't know. Jumpers could be made of wool. Yeah. You also now have a little pile of these shards of glass as well. Oh, I was hoping we'd get Pocket some glass. glass. Pocket glass. Let's, let's put those in our inventory. And then I'm always curious when I see something in a room like a bench. Can we examine mm-hmm. which, metal bench? Hmm, bench agree. See if, see if there's anything maybe uh, else that we could do with that bench. For the most part, just looking at it, it's a bench. It looks like it's good for sitting, lying, maybe standing. Uh, but you bend over to look at the underside of it, and well, you get the impression this thing is a bit older than it looks, mainly because there's one piece of metal under here. Looks like it's supposed to fasten the top of the bench to one of the legs of the bench, but instead it's hanging there really loosely, looking like it could fall off at any second. You give it a little prod, and yep, it clunks straight to the floor. About as long as your hand. Thin, but pretty blunt at the ends. Kind of heavy. Does it sort of render the bench, like, now useless? Like, does the bench move? Is it? Could you still sit on it if you wanted to? Absolutely. You still feel quite safe on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we can we reach the vent uh, in the ceiling with our hands? If you stand up on the bench, you absolutely can. Oh, oh we didn't even need to the move bench. the bench. I'm an idiot. Oh. You get up there to get a better look at it. Uh, as you do, the cold air that's blasting at you all on its own stops, and you frown. Did it just spontaneously turn off? But you realize you sort of can still feel it. Uh, Only now, it feels like it's actually sucking the air away from you rather than blowing on you. And you sort of can hear it throughout the room a little bit. You look around, you try to follow the air sounds, and you look over towards Ryan. You see that uh, his sort of desk, and especially he's got a little uh, shelf right behind his desk, and the stuff that's on top of that shelf, there's like a bag up there, and it is now rustling and blowing and you look up just a tiny bit further, there's another vent right above that shelf. And that's clearly where the aircon is going now. And you think you get it. They must have a funny sort of system. There are multiple vents throughout the office, and the air is on a cycle. So it moves the air from one place to another. And if you wait a few minutes, sure enough, the air comes back to you, just suddenly blasting the cold air back at you. So it's like a really, really crude pneumatic tube, just very slow-moving... <laughs> Not In really designed way. for that, but perhaps objects of a type could potentially move through the vents. It's funny you say that, because you know, at first you thought it was just because it was like the bench a bit old and rickety. You can hear something rattling around in there. Huh. Inside so, the vent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there is a there, way to is, take off yeah. the top of the vent? Taking it off doesn't really work, but there are like thin slits through it, and your fingers can just make it through. What's the worst that so. could happen? Our fingers get gnawed off by a rat? I don't need fingers. Let's stick our fingers up there, want you, Neil? Let's stick oh, our great, fingers great. in there. Oh, no. It's a rat rustling around. <laughs> rattling around in there. The vent um, goes back and forth between providing air towards us and and taking air away from us. And it seems that the air is going towards another vent, which is above Ryan's desk. Yes. And it's, and it's heading down. And you said it's hitting something that's on the desk. Uh, yeah, so you look over to just get a good feel for what's happening with Ryan and Ryan's desk. 
Uh, he's not making eye contact with you, so it's not creepy. Classic Ryan. He's got his phone out, tapping away at it, maybe texting Blake to come and pick you up. There seems to be a lot of paperwork generally on the desk, but it's over just behind his desk and behind him. A tall, thin shelf reaches just above his head. Might be normally a paperwork thing too, but right now, all that is sitting up there is this small bag. It's not transparent. You can't see it's what's in there, but it looks like it's bulging at the seams, full enough to be stretching the structural integrity of the bag. Oh my. And that's what you saw rustling a little bit before. I mean, I don't know why we would want that, but I do want it. So I guess we're going to have to figure out how to drag that. Okay, so we're so, stuck at the moment. But I feel like, well, Janet, I feel yeah. like your half of the of us has longer fingers than my half of us. Uh-huh. and I. <laughs> that's how the body works. Yeah, whatever it is that I'm hearing rattling in there, I'm going to try to get with my long fingies. You reach in your fingers. What you manage to pull out, it's quite thin, it's quite narrow, you can pull it all the way out. It's like a mini, uh, don't know how regional this phrasing is, I don't know if we call it the same thing, pass the parcel. Is that what you call it? Pa- I don't think... Pass the parcel? Pass the parcel. Yeah, Amer- yeah Americans don't know it what pass the It doesn't sound is. as good with pass a different parcel. accent, because no. the A's are different. Pass the parcel is a party game. For uh, small children. Where, oh. where, where you just have a, 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 like a toy wrapped in... In several in, in layers like, of paper. Uh, like like wrapped up in like a present and then wrapped uh, and then wrapped and then wrapped. And then like wrapped. a prize ball where you unwrap it. And yeah, it, everyone mm. unwraps one layer and there's maybe a thing in there or not. And you pass it around from child but to child. I see, like a part. nest of boxes. Right. Yeah, like a nest Pretty of much. boxes. <sighs> Can we open right. up the parcel and see if there's something inside the layers? You unwrap. Yeah, let's just go with the whole thing first. You take off each of those pieces of paper. There aren't actually that many of them. And on the inside... Oh, you find us a little plastic shard. Oh, That's nice. Oh, I got a new shard. Great. Helpful? Uh, maybe. Who knows? You then turn your attention to the pieces of paper themselves. And the outermost one has some handwriting on it, the very same handwriting that you found on the note in your car. And it says, sorry, you went to the wrong friend, but not to worry, use this. This? Plastic shape, or just to be safe, you look at the other pieces of paper, and one of them looks like it could be interesting. Looks like a discarded police form, and Billy's going to send that to you. You can tell listeners what you're saying. Yeah, feel free to read it out. Uh, Janet, would you like to read it out? I would would like to. It is still loading. Now I'll read it. Loaded. How dare oh, you? Wow. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead and mansplain it while you're at it, Neil? I believe I was asked to read it. I would prefer Do you, you read, read it, it to I be do. honest. No, I would okay, love great. to read it. Here we go. Notice of temporary evidence removal. Type, illicit substance. Name of officer removing evidence, Ryan McDougal. Rank, captain. Signature, Ryan McDougal. Date of removal, <laughs> 12-11. Date of return. Blank. I understand the details of the evidence removed may be classified and must remain confidential. And the person has a yes or no option, and that person is underlined yes. So they understand that the details of evidence removed may be classified and must remain confidential. Next, I understand that under no circumstances may removed evidence leave the precinct grounds. That person has acknowledged, yes, they do understand that they may not remove the evidence. <laughs> 
Illicit <laughs> substance safety warnings. Feels so legal right now. Do not inhale or ingest substance. Do not handle substance with bare hands. Irritants such as arsenic cause rash, burn, or other conditions. Yikes. In the case of suspected latex reactive substance, paracetamol, powdered washing detergent, arsenic powder, do not handle with latex gloves. Ensure appropriate alternative is used. I understand and will comply with the above safety warnings. Yes or no. The person has underlined yes. Other notes. And then handwritten is removed to further examine nature of, quote, knockout powder, end quote. Knockout powder. Knockout powder. Could that be what's in the bag that's on the shelf? I'm starting to think it might just be, Neil. I'm starting to think it might just be. Sorry you went to the wrong friend. Let's yes, talk this Yes, through. sir. Yes, please. We have another friend. We do. We thought that Ryan was our friend. And the new friend has given us a fifth shard and a notice of temporary evidence of knockout powder. So Ryan's the villain we have to get out of this cell. We have to potentially use the knockout powder. I have a weird idea. We have in our inventory a uh, long thread, shards of glass. We have this uh, from underneath the bench, uh, a miscellaneous metal chunk. Kind of heavy. But what if, now hear me out. What if we were to tie the long thread, tie a shard of glass onto the other end and like a fishing pole, let uh -huh. it go up through the vent? Uh-huh. Let it go like yeah. pneumatic tube style. A shard of glass at the, tied to the end of a string. Is, that's just, what's going I'm up there, right? I'm pre -associated. No, 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 no. I'm, what, I'm clarifying. And you go up and around and it drops down. Oh, but then what do we do? How do we get it back up through the vent? Maybe we don't need to get the bag through the vent. Maybe we knock the bag over with something and it falls on his head because it's above his head right where he's sitting and it's rustling already. So if it, we could knock it over, then the bag would just dump onto his stupid lying, I'm on a TV show head and then he would <laughs> get knocked Ryan. out right at his desk. Okay, well, I, I'm confused. I'm not confused. I'm panicking a little bit because we're in a cell and this key to the jail cell is outside of the front door. Is there anything we can do to get those same tools that we were just discussing using for the vent? Is there any utility in trying to get out of get something thrown out of the cell and under the door? No, we wouldn't. We, there's no way we would know how to get to a key no. that's outside underneath the door. Yeah, you pretty much think those keys are a lost cause. But like you uh, pondered at the beginning, it's possible that maybe a different police officer has some keys around because surely the captain isn't the only one. There are, if I remember correctly, a who cares number, <laughs> number of desks. Precisely. Can I ask right. another question? That flatbed trolley covered with the CPR dummies, is that close enough that we could we could access it through our bars? It, there's a bit of stuff in the way. In fact, actually, maybe one of the work desks is a little bit blocking your oh, view of that. I see. All right. Okay, can we get to that desk? The desk is perhaps a couple of arm's lengths out of reach, which is very disappointing because you do think you see a ring of keys sitting there. Okay, well, listen, we got to get a hold of these keys. We got to get this ring of keys. So, that wait, we can we go instead of. Thanks to Danny telling us that they were there. Janet, can we not go instead of vent fishing? I feel like you should pull up a straight survivor move and toss that thread yeah. with the metal on the end and hook the keys and try yes. and bring those keys back into the jail cell. I'm up for it. I'm willing to give it a go. May we? You fashion yourself the best little lasso that you can. Damn right. And all things considered, not bad. So as quietly as you can, you toss it out towards the work desk, hoping to catch the ring of keys. 
And the first time, you miss. The second time, you miss. It takes you a couple of tries. It's, it's really hard. But eventually, you succeed, and the metal clunks onto the table. You pull the keys down. They clink as they hit the floor. Ryan clearly hears what you're doing and stands up. You quickly uh, pull in the keys towards yourself, but he is coming towards you. And then I say, oh, no, when I sneeze, it makes a metallic sound. You misunderstood. I was sneezing. Throw a shot of glass at his face. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, stop that. Sorry, Neil, your throwing hand is just not as good. You you totally miss. Little fingers. I wasted a perfectly good piece of pocket glass. He glares at you. And returns to his desk, but as he does, he says, Look, I'm watching you. Don't try anything. And you believe him. You very much believe that glass or no glass, if you use the keys that you now have, like you stepped on them so that he couldn't see them, you fully believe that if you try to use them to get out of his cell, he is going to notice and he is going to take you I mean, down. We gotta knock this You're going to have to do out. something. Nothing has ever been more clear to me than the fact that we got to knock him out with some knockout powder. We need to knock out Powder Ryan so fast right now. How are we, we going to do this? We got to get something up into that vent. We got to get something into that vent. Here's what we're going to do. All right. Tell me what you think about this, Neil. We're going to tie a shard of, uh, of glass to some of our string. Uh, we're going to get it up into the vent. It's going to get sucked down. The piece of glass will be so thin along with the yarn that it will go right through the vent. It will drift down. We will cut Open the bag of knockout powder. The powder will rain down on his ungrateful, lying, thought you were my friend head, and he will pass out, possibly hitting the desk with his face and getting a bloody nose. But we'll deal with that later. I love this idea that, so much. I mean, much. it's pretty dark, but he deserves what he gets. <laughs> you grab one of the sturdy but lightest pieces of glasses that you can find. You wrap a little bit of the string around it, the the woolen thread around it, and you slide it up into the vent. And you wait for the aircon to stop blowing on you and to start redirecting. And you hear a whoosh. Oh. And actually, uh, the, the thread breaks. Oh, the glass boy. goes flying, but it was so pointy that it went straight through. It cut it straight <gasps> open. So it's not attached to anything. But it does indeed fly through. And you hear it crash. Onto the other side of the room. You hear Ryan give a short cry of surprise. He hasn't been hit by anything. But a moment later, you see a big slit appear in the side oh, of that bag. Oh, here we and go. it starts yes, pouring indeed. down. A big, cloudy puff of powder goes right in Ryan's face. It and he looks dumbfounded. <laughs> and that's the last thing he looks before he slumps down. My hubris. <laughs> Classic knockout powder. If I know knockout powder, and I do, it's done its Every job. Every time I see knockout powder on cartoons in the 80s, I, I knew it would work, and it worked yet again. It this is brilliant. It did work. It's done its job. That guy is out like a light. Now, listen. I don't know. Now, I don't know how long it lasts, so I'm now I'm panicking. Yeah. Okay, so let's use our keys. Get out of the cell. Let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, You go through these keys one by one. You find one that fits the lock. Fantastic. The holding cell door swings open loudly. You are relatively free. I want to go straight to Ryan. I want to check and see if it seems that the knockout powder has knocked him out, meaning we have plenty of time to wander and look around, or if the knockout powder has made him kind of woozy and we need to come up with sort of tie him up 
plan so that he's... Beat him about the head with something heavy because you're so angry. He was supposed to officiate our wedding and he's deceiving us. We have shards you know of what? glass. I will cooler cut heads an will prevail. The, the <laughs> half of my head that is cooler, that is you, will prevail. But I like this idea of just doing a quick Ryan check. I think that's smart. That's fair. All right, so tentatively, you go over to his corner of the room. You step towards him. At the moment, he's... Well, He's making little mouth snores. He's that oh, level of out. He is cartoon out. So. That is very cartoonish. Mm, okay, good. Exactly. All right. You can't say how long it will last if you if you tiptoe around. Then it might be great. But yeah. otherwise, I don't know. Throw him in the holding cell. Why not? Great um, call. Good point. Should we just do that? Oh, is he heavy? Can we drag him over there, or should we just let him be? Oh, for sure. Oh, put yeah. him in the yeah, cell. Yeah. I bet he's in one of those rolly chairs. Yeah, just roll him in. Just Good point. Roll him in. But the, I would take it, yeah, ta- and we're going to take out all of our goodies. I don't want him touching my precious pocket glass. I don't want him anywhere near my string. <laughs> oh, naturally, naturally. I, I want that, that makes bench sense. thing. Right. Just, I got, we got it all. We still have. We should check his person first in case he has anything on his body. And if there's anything valuable, just take it. You know what I mean? Like we might be able to fetch a good price for it later on. Gold fillings. This is just a revenge. A necklace. Yeah. <laughs> Rip out any gold fillings. Absolutely. <laughs> Take out that ruby earring he's always worn since high school. Yeah. Stupid. I always told him it was oh, stupid. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. You raid Ryan's person. Uh, you think that, oh, there might be something here. You see a chain around his neck. And, oh, uh, no, it's just his medical alert necklace. Oh, well. Oh, wow. Um, but this, oh, I'm no. allergic to knockout gas. <laughs> That's on him. He did not need to place that bag above his head on a sad, tall shelf. No, it's actually he's just allergic to paracetamol. Gives him a rash. Good to know. But, Good okay, to know. You. Notice how Danny just said that. She just mm. tossed it to the side like it wasn't going to matter. But it's going to matter. Oh, it will. Everything matters. You do successfully roll Ryan back okay, into the holding great. cell. And lock him in. Yeah, one of his hands slumps slightly out of it, giving him a taste of freedom, but it's not We're going to use that. <laughs> We're going to need to give him a rash or something, a horrible rash. Uh, well, here's what I'm going to say. First of all, there's a lot to see. I agree. The evidence locker, obviously yep. very appealing. Can't get to it yet. There's a floor-to-ceiling chain fence. I mean, I'd love to see what the, the, the photos and the string and the pins on the cork board are doing. I mean, who's not attracted to that sort of tracking a serial killer? That could be the big case he's talking about. I say we go look at this sign that has the photos and the red string. And while we do it, I sing, look away, <laughs> look away. I can't believe you did that. That's ridiculous. So self-indulgent. <laughs> How dare you, How dare you madam. <laughs> I, would, I would never sing on this podcast. <laughs> All right. So you go over to those red string boards. Now, that's an interesting point. Red string boards, plural. You realize there were actually three of them, all sort of just stacked one in front of the other. And they're all double-sided. And they are covered with pins of paper, with all like disjointed words. It looks like a confusing mind map. Mm. The red string is hanging loosely off to the side. Whoever's been working on this crime hasn't figured out any connections yet. And the amount of stuff here is overwhelming. Well, I'm looking at the first one right now, and it has one, two, three, four, five down by one, two, three, four, five, six across of, I guess, note cards with different things on them. So there's a lot of them. Let me do my math. Five times six is 400. No? (laughs) That's about right. (laughs) And then next to all of these cards to the right is another card, and it has uh, the numbers one through four vertically. Uh, number one says who, question mark. Number two says what, 
question mark. Number three says value, question mark. And then fourth one says currency, question mark. Underneath that, to complete the board, is a bunch of red strings that are loosely hanging. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of things. There's numbers of thousands, there's pounds, there's yen, there's paracetamol. That's what Ryan is, Ryan is allergic to. So there are these substances. Oh, you're right. That was one of the things that as well uh, we might need to translate. I believe in America that's Tylenol. Yeah. Ah, yeah. paracetamol, detergent, insulin, arsenic, Atomec, and Lanyon. Those all stick out as the what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of those. For the value, Wait, so we, we do, have okay. dollars, pounds, pesos, yen, euros. What's K? There's a lot mm. of mysterious stuff going okay, on. Okay, so I won't, I won't make too much of this just yet. So there's... We're not ready. We're not ready. With lots of stuff, and we're going to have to figure out the who, the what, the value, and the currency. All right, let's keep looking around. Yeah, let's do it. What do you want to do, Neil? Why don't we check... Um, why don't we check Ryan's desk? We ran right by it. I love but it. I bet there's some stuff on top of it or inside. I or under love it. Do you make sure to not touch any of the knockout powder that's sort of clouded all around it? And you start poking around at the clean areas of Ryan's desk. A lot of it is very dry, very police reporty jargon that just makes your eyes glaze over in boredom. There is one, though, that, while it's still about crime stuff, looks a little bit more like a personal note to himself. And again, you're going to see that. Captain's memo. Oh, wow. Look at this. It's something that he's written to himself. Shall I read it? Please. And I'm going to read it as Ryan. Her narrow escape at the old mill last month really brought our spirits down. We felt like giving up, but we knew we were in too deep for that. You'd think after decades on the run she'd make a few mistakes. Not her. She's always been able to blend seamlessly into any crowd. She must be filthy rich by now. Police from her first crime say the product is worth 20,000 times its weight. Still, I hope against hope will catch her sooner rather than later. Until then, I'll have to keep working at it like a dog. First of all, I want to say that, that sounded wasn't, exactly That wasn't like butter. Ryan. That was a different substance. That, that was something that else. Was... And now if you could uh, read it again as the Mad Hatter from Alice Wonderland. <laughs> The narrow escape, the old mill last month, really brought our spirits down. Good, wonderful. And now a scratch. The narrow escape of the old mill last month really brought our spirits wonderful. down. Yeah, you really get, you heightened him. You heightened his status. Uh, scraps is, Scraps thanks you. Scraps thanks you. What does this mean? Listen, this feels like it is related to the boards with the string. We're talking substances, we're talking currencies, we're talking weights. That's all here. Now, what do we do with it? No idea. Police from her first crime say the product is worth 20,000 times its weight. That's an interesting number. Mm-hmm, exactly. Now, what does it weigh? Don't know. All right, well, let's hang on to that because we still have a lot of stuff to see, mm -hmm, so maybe we mm -hmm, should keep yeah. looking around at things. Anything we need to know about the most wanted criminals uh, hanging near the front door, I wonder. I Fair smell enough. another link. Mm-hmm. You take a look at the most wanted list. Uh, you find the details of the five sickest villains at large that the world has ever seen. Um, eh, 
doesn't sound as terrifying as you expected. I mean, I'm sure they're all really scary people, but eh, they don't look like serial killers. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that means all the serial killers have been found. Oh, look at and these And these folks. are what's left. Let's have a look. We are looking at some nice looking people, including a small child. <laughs> and listen, so I got to say, these some of these names sound very familiar. Lanyon, Adamek, K, Payne. <laughs> Does that ring any bells? And their currents, and they all have different currencies for their rewards. Like Jeff Payne gets mm. American dollars and uses unsettling camouflage. I shudder to think what that means. Uh, <laughs> he was in a, last seen in a cemetery. We have Donald Adamek, who was last seen in an abandoned amusement park. By the way, sounds like fun. Uh, reward, he gets the 250,000 euros. Uh, has a background in professional ventriloquism. I think we can both agree that so far he's our favorite. Uh, between you and yeah. me and our interests <laughs> My best so friend. far, he's our favorite. <laughs> Gemma La Lanyon, Gemma Lanyon uh, was last seen in a fireworks factory. Uh, she gets, uh, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what that... Uh, I can't. It look, just looks like a P from as far away from my computer as I am. But that's two hundred million. I believe million. that's that for, something. for pesos. Pesos. F great. Filipino pesos. Sure thing. Sure thing. She has both pyromania and hydromania. One assumes she loves both fire and water. Oh, she would love the fire and ice ball. Um. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Leilani K. That's how you can lure her in. Leilani K. Last location. Old Mill. Uh oh. Uh oh, uh oh, my uh oh alarm just went off. That's the old mill alarm. <laughs> I've never <laughs> the done that old before. Old mill alarm is going crazy. I'll never do it again. <laughs> I will never do that again. Uh, the old mill. Okay. No, make it a thing. Yeah. And then we got 15 million of something. Yen. Uh, that's yen. Yep. Again, I'm very far away from the document I'm looking at. Warnings has guard dog mm -hmm. named Bitey. And then we have a tiny toddler who could not be any cuter named Bethany oh, Dean. Cute <laughs> Bethany little cutie. She was last seen in a genetics laboratory. So cute. And you could get 100,000 pounds. And she has a, a stuffed animal named Woof Woof. And there's a weapon inside there. And we don't even know what that and, weapon and is. That's terrifying to me. She, she does sound like the baby in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> she does. She does. Hey, it's me, Bethany D. Jessica, you're hot. Hey, you it's me, you? Bethany. Uh, not an actual line. Not an actual line. Okay. So we see the old mill. The old mill reference. Obviously, we can. We we know that mm. Leilani Leilani K was last seen at an old mill. So is the whole note about Leilani, or is the note about more than Leilani? And is it more about like an order that we need to put multiple people? I don't know. Well, Ryan, at the very beginning, when he was so aggravated, he did say that this big case could get him to knock a name, uh, name off, off the, off most, the most wanted, wanted. list. Yeah. And so because this handwritten captain's memo is speaking about a female, we could knock and, out the males, perhaps? And the old mill, last known location, I mean, that could potentially point right to her. Agreed. So yeah. are you looking for Leilani Kay? All right, so let's focus on Leilani Kay, but maybe at this point we should flag that and sort of also continue our investigation a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. Plenty of stuff I to like look it. at. Can we examine this fence surrounding the evidence locker? Because we also have a bunch of keys that we got. Mm. We got a whole ring. <laughs> a whole ring. You head closer to that evidence locker, and as you get close to the chain door, 
you become aware that the hairs on your arms are standing up on end and there's a very faint hum in the air. No. You look at the door handle and something tells you, maybe don't touch this right now. It might be uh, this big sign that you see that looks kind of like a warning sign with a bunch of number buttons this underneath it. This is terrifying. It. I can't believe and... they've electrified mm. the fence inside mm. a police station just to get to the evidence locker. That seems sadistic at best. <laughs> we have a picture of that of the uh, this warning sign. So we see one through 20 number buttons. We see two circle cross out um, lightning bolts. And then we have a plus and an arrow and a minus. And then we have this little sort of connect the dots with a yellow circle in the middle. Mm. It's like your old school science uh, circuit diagram. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So we must start now, at the I plus never and head to, to the read. negative. Is that going to be a problem? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. We're going to okay. have to do this at some point. <laughs> I like that attitude. That's also how I feel. Well, it looks like this is on the agenda at some point. <laughs> okay. We've looked at Ryan's desk. We got the captain's note. Uh, is there anything else on any of the other desks we need to be aware of? Ooh, yeah. Uh, okay, you go around. The desk that you found the keys on doesn't have anything else, but one of the other desks has a top drawer that is mysteriously locked with a little letter keypad. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it could take anywhere from one to ten letters. And you do also, on top of that desk, find a diary. Well, I know I don't want to open the diary because that's private. That's rude. So we probably yeah. shouldn't. Well, just oh. in case you do Oh, no, a page it. falls out oh, of it. Oh, no. I guess that's meant oh, to wow. be. You want me to read it or do you want to read it, JV? Yes. Could you read that out in the voice of an old grizzled fisherman? <laughs> the 8th of November. <laughs> Busy today, but mostly normal. Took Thomas to the vet. He's recovering nicely from the accident at the mill. Learning his new name well and has none of the usual problems beagles his age get. Things are looking up. The 10th of November. There's no question we've got the right perp. Captain's sure of it, and so am I. But it's a nightmare finding evidence. The 12th of November. I think I know the next location. I have no proof, so nobody's willing to back me up and get a warrant. But I'm almost positive. It's just a gut feeling whenever I look at all the options. It's almost subliminal. I even made it my password without really even thinking about it. I won't do anything risky, but something is going on there. And something is in all caps. Okay, well, listen, let's, let's just review this diary for a second. So whoever this clown is, he's, he's, he's claimed, <laughs> he's, and I say that with a love, he's claimed what I assume to be the dog that we have now heard of as Bitey. I think Bitey has been renamed mm. as Thompson. He's gone to the vet. He's recovering nicely from the accident at the mill. So now we know that there was an accident at the mill uh, that is part of Leilani's uh, escape. Learning his new name well, so now we're calling him Thompson, has none of the usual problems beagles his age get. That's, I guess, an insider tip about beagles. They have a lot of problems as they get older. Um, maybe just something to think about if you think about getting a beagle. Things are looking up. Hmm. There's no question we've got the right perp. Uh, Captain Sherman, so am I. So they do feel that they have the right person, assuming that's Leilani K. And then the next location, I don't even know what that means. The next location for what? To find what? She escaped mm-hmm. to find 
if you think you know the next location to find her and nab her. And there's no proof. OK, so nobody's willing to back me up and get a warrant. I'm really starting to identify with this person. Uh but I'm almost positive. It's just a gut feeling. I'm almost Nobody positive. ever gives Janet a warrant. No one ever <laughs> gives me a warrant. It's like I'm not a cop. Okay. It's just a gut feeling whenever I look at all the options. It's almost subliminal. I even made it my password without even really thinking about it. I won't do anything risky, but something is going on there. So the location is the password, right? I mean, we could put this on ice for a second and look at this flatbed <laughs> trolley with the CPR dummies, which we haven't done. But that might also just overwhelm us Add with more, more stuff. stuff. Sure, but that said, you're always going to get stuck if you haven't looked at everything. We better look at everything. Neil, good call. Got to get over to those dummies. Trolley. Yeah. Let's All let right, those so. dummies be the dummies, not us. Am I right? Well said. Well said. Well said, Janet. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> These dummies, they have creepy open mouth stares oh and their abs are really well defined. It's It's a bit body shaming of real people, to be honest. The texture of their skin is unnervingly realistic. Like, they must be made of some really high-quality latex-like substance. Okay, they used real human skin, noted and, and understood. I'll tell you what, though. it's We're going to need it. We're going to need some of that latex. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be something to do with some of this, mm. some, some kind of substance that the latex and paracetamol, I just want to put a pin in those. Because we're going to need that latex. Nothing's on the trolley or under the trolley or anything that we could notice. Yeah. Now, Janet, one thing that you should know about this podcast is that you always need to check the door that you came in on. Yes, please. Can I just check the door that we entered from? Absolutely. Now, the first thing you do is you take out that ring of keys and you first you look at the lock on the door and you go, no, there's no way any of these keys is going to match. We need to find a totally different key for this door. So good. Just to get that out of the way. Now, no space has gone to waste in this police precinct, not even the back of the door, because it is covered in hooks with those yellow evidence markers Mm. all over Mm -hmm. them. So the numbered ones that you put on crime scenes whenever you find evidence. Mm -hmm. And so we have what I think may be the last image. Okay, so we're looking at a door. We're looking at rows of numbers. They are in numerical order, but the first two rows are one, two, three, and four, five, six, one on top of the other. Then we have a break where all we have on the next two sort of rows, if you think about dividing up a, a, a door into a series of rows, are just seven on top of eight, dead center of the door. So they line up with two, five, seven, eight. And then the last two rows go back to normal, 9, 10, 11, and then 12, 13, 14. And that's it. I don't need to solve it. Neil will solve it because I described it. And go. <laughs> I'm, I'm really at a loss looking at this image. I don't even know what, what the 14 would represent. Do you? Yeah. No. Do we have, have we seen 14 of nearly anything? We see a door now. We see what I assume is hinges. Are those important in some way? Okay. Yeah. That's just... They're kind of weird looking, right? They are, they are weird. They are hinges. hinges. I will say they but, look like they yeah. need to be... I mean, hinges typically for a door would be at the top and bottom of a door rather than just in the middle randomly. Mm. And that's a small hinge and then a big hinge. And then again, below it, a mm. small hinge and then a big hinge. Can we do anything with these yellow numbers? Take them off, move them... You could take them off. They don't look like they're going to do anything or that like the door has any amazing sensors or anything on it to notice when you've done stuff. 
There is, I think, one last thing that we haven't checked yet, which is the interrogation room door. You go look at the interrogation room door for a sense of completion. Clearly labeled. It also has a piece of paper taped to it. It's got like a motivational slogan on it, but it's not the best one. And if it's a bad interrogation, it might even be a little bit ominous. It says, when you're in too deep, only the start and finish matter. Okay. And uh, this door is locked with a six-letter combination lock. Okay. Well, I, there's a reference to depth in the captain's note, if memory serves. Uh, her narrow escape the old mill last month really brought her spirits down. We felt like giving up, but we knew we're in uh, too deep for that. Right. So when you're in too <laughs> deep, only the start and finish matter. Her dog. What if you're looking at the note, and if you're in too deep... The start and the finish of that note are what matter, and the two words are her dog. So maybe the code is Bitey uh, or Thompson. Or H-E-R-D-O-G, her dog. Or just her dog. It is six letters. You feel so clever when you write in her dog. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, oh, you feel good about that. His name is Bitey. That's five letters. Mm. Mm. And then they changed Thompson. it to Thompson, which is too many letters. What about Beagle? B-E-A-G-L-E. You put in Beagle. And the lock clicks ah, open for you. Hey. Well, teamwork. All right. Forget the front door. You've got interrogation room to look Wonderful. at. You enter the interrogation room, and the first thing you notice, it is clinically bright. The walls are lined with naked light bulbs, maybe like eight of them, and the rest of the room, extremely bland. There's a big metal table, nothing on it, a chair on either side of that, neither of which look interesting. And uh, one of the walls is entirely a mirror. Is it safe to assume that behind that mirror is another room? Probably another room where people would peep. Which, by the way, I'm a little sensitive to since I found out that I'm basically on a TV show. So it's a little (laughs) bit like rubbing salt in the wound for me to see a two-way mirror. One-way mirror? What's a a two-way mirror? What's a one-way mirror? Oh, you have no idea how much I tried Googling it. It can be whatever you want. okay. Interrogation room, desk, should we look under the desk? A bunch of light bulbs, They're, it's very bright. Uh, is there a light switch? Can we turn the lights off? That seems like a good idea. You don't find a light switch in the room, and you look outside the to the main area again, and there's no switch there either. That's annoying. Okay, that is annoying. Mm-hmm, yeah. We examine the desk, is there anything under the desk? There's nothing under it, but it does seem a bit off. Like, for one thing... You, you don't know. Maybe it was just a TV thing. You thought that there'd like be something on top of it to attach a person's oh, handcuffs sure. to, all that sort of thing. But no, it's just big totally and shiny flat. and very smooth. You, you lay a hand on it, and to your surprise, you feel a slight, slight drop, as if just the weight of your arm was enough to sink the top of the table down a fraction. Oh, Did it stay down? No, when you lift it up, it comes back up. Mm. And like, it's not like it all sinks into the ground. It's just the top surface of it. Like, it just drops a tiny bit. Let's stand on top of the table. Same thing. It it definitely has that tiny bit of drop, but adding more of your body weight doesn't seem to make it drop down further, really. Huh. It's only got a very tiny limited motion. Can I reach the light bulbs? Can we physically (laughs) unscrew them to make it dark so we could maybe see on the other side of the mirror? I like this idea. They are very tight. They do not unscrew. And it's probably not safe to do that anyway. Hey, uh-huh. So, the, okay, so if we put any amount of weight, light or heavy, on the desk, 
the top of it, not the whole desk, not the floor underneath it, just the top of the desk mm. seems to sink a little, but nothing happens. Nothing slides open. No. no, you don't. You look around. You don't notice any changes happening around the room. I will say you were very. You are a very good track with the um with the front door. Yeah, mm-hmm. you said some very important uh-huh. stuff when you were talking uh-huh. to Let's go back to the uh-huh. front door. Let's then. look at that. You know what? Out, just out of nowhere, we're having Neil and I are, are jointly having the idea. Just very out of nowhere to go back to the front door. Just it's good feeling. It's subliminal messaging, like just like that police That's officer right. said. The gut feeling. The gut feeling. I'm looking at the image again. I, I'm really, I'm at a loss. I'm looking at two weird hinges. The hinges that aren't where they should be. And then 14 yellow little cards. The other thing that's there, we, we, the other place that we have a series of numbers is the electrified fence. Ah! And we have these dots. Four dots at the bottom in the negative. We have one line, two lines, three lines going to this yellow circle. And then the positive side, we have one, two, three, four, five lines that take us to the yellow circle. Yeah, you take it from here, Neil. Oh, oh, no, I think I got it. If you look at the evidence link of the fence, there's that weird circle that's to the right of it, right? And if you look at the door link, you have the door door knob. If we follow, uh, as it says, from positive to negative, and we follow Mm. from positive to negative, we could theoretically go four, one, two, down to five, over to six. Yes. Four, one, two, five, six, then all the way down to the bottom, which would be 14, then over to 12, and then up to nine. If we punch those in in that sequence, does the... Mm -hmm electricity of the of the fence turn off yes it does Neil Patrick Harris everyone (laughs) well freaking done that is awesome (laughs) so we just so we now have access to the evidence locker oh yeah yeah. oh yes let's contaminate some crimes you head on in there you find that it's a bit of a curious collection you start to wonder if any of it's real or if it's all just kind of you know set design like you legitimately see a burlap sack with a dollar sign on it with a stack of jet black burglars outfits piled up next to it it's it's like a cartoon on one of the shelves you see a book that's titled two-way mirrors and me a sergeant's reflections oh i like this Ooh, right at the top, on the top shelf, you see something that looks just a little more real than some of the other stuff. It's a bag, transparent plastic, full to the brim with mysterious white powder. You have no idea what it is. It doesn't look anything like the knockout powder. You've got that much going for you. Should we look at the vent paper really quickly, just because we're talking white powders here? Mm. And I do Mm. remember the reference to a white powder. Okay, so Ryan McDool. So good uh, at this. This was on November twelfth. It has not been returned. That's the knockout powder. Circumstances. <laughs> now, illicit substance safety warnings. Do not inhale or ingest substance. Do not handle substance with bare hands. Irritants such as arsenic cause rash, burn, or other conditions. In the case of suspected latex reactive substance. Paracetamol, powdered washing detergent, arsenic powder. Do not handle with latex gloves. Ensure appropriate alternative is used. 
Doesn't that make you want to, like, test the white powder on the dummy or something? Like, just see what happens? Yeah. With the latex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Pour the white powder on the latex and see what happens. Yeah, all right. You take this mystery bag over. You make sure to avoid contact with your own skin. And you take the tiny, you pour the tiniest bit of powder onto one of the dummy's chiseled chest. And very soon, an angry bright red ring appears on the latex. Okay. Not so enviable a chest anymore. <laughs> but still kind of enviable. I'm, I'm jealous of these dummies. Like yeah. Uh, okay, so that's a latex reactive substance. Paracetamol, probably, right? What were the ones that reacted to latex? Yeah. Could be arsenic, paracetamol, paracetamol or washing detergent. washing detergent. Oh, so we're going to test it on Ryan. <laughs> Let's go over on that there. Hand that's that been guy's left dead to me anyway. Dangling out there. of the holding cell. He's, he, he, we've got to test it on his hand. Oh, of course. Right. But he's also allergic to paracetamol, so that may not tell us. Let's find out. All right, you head back over to Captain McDougal. You pour the teeny tiniest amount of powder out of the bag onto his hand, and uh, you use one of his own fingers to rub it in, and you wait a minute, and no rash. Uh Nothing. Okay, so it's not arsenic because that would hurt his bare hand. It's not paracetamol because that would hurt his hand, so it must be washing detergent, maybe. Wait, how do we know? What is he allergic to? You found his medical alert necklace. Wow, good. I thought you were joking when you said that. I thought you were just making that up. <laughs> Nothing's Wouldn't ever a that joke. Wouldn't be wacky? Okay, so yeah, so that's so we we can rule things out. We know that if it were arsenic, it would give him a rash or a burn. We know that if it were paracetamol, it would give him a rash or a burn. Neither of those things happen, so it must be by virtue of like this game, the only other the substance that's been listed has been powdered washing detergent. So we are going to assume that it is perhaps powdered washing detergent. And if so, why is there a bag of powdered washing detergent in it an is evidence a locker? Big smuggling ring. This the black market for washing detergent. <laughs> major, it's upsetting. Major smuggling ring. The mind would boggle. Detergent is one of the things listed on the red string boards. Mm. Uh-huh. It's coming together. It's all coming together. That's always what someone says so when have they have a the board of string. Who, okay. The who is K. The what is detergent? Mm-hmm. The value. Wait, we have that l- that note that explains the value, yes. right? The product is worth twenty thousand times its weight. Wait. Oh, that's a scale. The the desk, the table is a scale. I don't know. <gasps> if you put something on it, it somehow you can find out how much something weighs. Maybe I just gasped really big. Wait, <laughs> but we. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's justified. More. Before we get there, I think we're missing a step because yep, don't we yep, also yep. have a book called Two Way Mirrors and Me? Can we investigate that book? Because it might tell us about more about the investigation room with the two way mirror. Yeah, for sure. You are surprised that there's a whole book's worth of information about two way mirrors, but okay. Um, the sergeant was passionate about them. You skim the chapter titles, flip through pages. Most of it is funny anecdotes, doesn't really help. But there is one bit of helpful well, information. You know what? Let's read a few. <laughs> yeah. Will you read a few passages for us? Okay. Uh, here we they go. better be oh, funny. No. Of course, the whole thing was made a lot easier when we installed those two-way mirrors. See, the crooks, they didn't know we could see them the whole time, and they started doing all their crimes. And they said to me, that's a good use of a mirror, uh, 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 recruit. We're going to make you sergeant. And that's the day my career really started to pick up. So you know I said they're so good in here, why don't we just put them everywhere and we can watch all the crimes in all the city? 
Mirror Town was a failure. <laughs> but for a few months, it was a beautiful dream. Uh, no, so What a great series of funny says. anecdotes. That was They're right fantastic. on the money. I and hope that's a signed your copy. accents are like so much better book. than the ones I did earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and yet they did also still sound a little bit like the baby from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So we are it's variations on a theme. Uh, okay, great. So in addition to the funny anecdotes, what was it that we stopped you from saying that was important? Yeah. So apparently, uh, the way two-way mirrors work is uh, if there's a significant light disparity between the two sides of glass. If one side's quite dark and the other side's light, people on the dark side will be able to see through, but people on the really light side will only be able to see their reflection. So that's really the crux of how these things go. So we need to get these lights off. We could break them or we could cover them or we could paint them. What do we have? There's those black. What about those black burglar costumes? Let's take some of that black fabric and see if we can't uh, jerry rig it so that it uh, covers up those uh, light bulbs. What's happening in my voice? I'm turning into the guy who wrote the book here. Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you, you pick up those black burglar outfits Again, hope these are just fake clues and not real ones for something. Uh, You take them into the interrogation room and you start covering up light bulbs with them, wrapping them up in gloves and boots and things like that. These clothes, totally built for skulking around unseen in the dark because it works like a charm and pretty soon the room is almost black. And that being the case, you can now see quite clearly through what... Was deceptively not a real mirror. <gasps> Whoa, did you know? Did you know that was a fake mirror? Whoa. What? Before you describe what's on the other side, can I just say that Janet Varney, you claimed at the beginning of this that you were going to stink. And that stink smells like You heaven. said it you know a why? lot. Neil, you're the wind beneath my wings. I didn't see this coming. You You've smell kept me alive. like an angel <laughs> to have found these costumes, beanies <laughs> that go on the lights. I would have been smashing lights with my fist and going to the hospital. This is amazing. All right, what it's, happens? All right, so Wait, what? so it's not a mirror at all. What is it? A well, lake? No, it, it, a horizontal lake? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was cellophane the whole time. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Ah, um, all right, you look through what is now just a regular old window, and there is indeed another room back there. Not very big, and the door leading into it is clearly not from the main precinct area, so there's no way you can get in. But it's got a bit of a weird setup. It's got a couple of chairs just for the police to watch whatever's going on in the interrogation room, but it's also got a rectangular screen attached to the back wall. Looks electronic. There are cables coming out of it and going down to the floor, but the screen at the moment is blank. What if we put something on the desk? The I mean, table. The table. Absolutely. Well, uh, what do you want to put on there? Um, the chair. A chair. You, <laughs> you love the chair. You put the chair on the table, and something does change. That rectangular screen. It now has some yeah. numbers popping up on it. This how is much how we scale. Right it has the this exact we weight out. and ac- the accurate weight of a chair. Okay, so we got to get the product because we know that however much the product weighs, its worth is going to be 20 times that or 20,000 times that amount or something like that. So let's weigh yeah. the bag of the white detergent powder that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, you grab that bag, you place it on the table, you round up to account for the little bit of powder that you put on the dummy and on Ryan. And uh, 350 grams. So we know the who. The who is K. The what is detergent. The value 
the weight, which is 350, and we multiply that by 20,000, right? Which is 7 million. Yes. So the value theoretically is 7 million, and the currency from Leilani's profile was yen. yen. Right, yeah. So hypothetically, we have the four things that we need. Yes. So let's look at the breadboards now. Let's. I love it. And if we were to input these, so if we look at red string board one, and we're looking at the columns going going vertically, we have detergent and K in the first column. Yes. And then we have yen on the fifth column. And then we don't have 7 million, but we have 7,000. And then there are some other zeros, like just some blank zeros that we could potentially throw on to the 7,000. Mm. Oh, that's true. So could we add three zeros to that to make it 7 million? So my thought was to use the red string and, and like put lines between mm. all of these yeah. things to see if they, if, they may, if they spell anything. I mean, I think that's mm. a great instinct. I absolutely agree. I'm just wondering if we need to worry about boards two through five or if we feel like we got what we need. If we do the same thing for with each, each one, thing, we'll get a different we thing might with each spell one. spell a word or yes. something like that, right? If we I start love bottom it. left at K and go up to detergent and mm-hmm. then go diagonally to 7,000 mm-hmm. and then go up diagonally to the three zero to complete the seven million and then down yeah. to yen. It almost looks like an M looks like an M. Oh, I really I really spoiled that. I'm sorry. Would you like me to not say it and you could say it again? <laughs> I love that you okay. did. Let's look at let, let's look at the second board. Okay, where are you? K, if we start with K, K's way over on the last column in the middle. We have detergent. So, yen is next to K to the left. Our 7000 and our three zeros which are on the third column. That's like an O almost. That's like an O. All right, we'll do this again for the third one. Okay. A is upper left. Two detergent is one over to the right. 7,000. 1,000 is diagonally down, and then we'll need... Hey, uh, and then... The, the, V? M-O-V? M-O-V? M-O-V. Oh, possibly, I love this possibly. game so hard. Let's go to the next one. <gasps> Detergent to 7,000 to 3 triple zero. Where's triple zero? Oh, that's just a straight line, my love. That's a straight line, my love. <laughs> <laughs> M-O-V-I move, movies. Okay. Let's see. Let's start. K to detergent going to 7,000 is third column. Triple zero is sort of diagonally down. Diagonally down, and then yen. Oh, like a e, like a lowercase e. And then the last one, k is in the middle to detergent. Seven thousand is one down and over to the left, and then the triple zero, and then okay. yen. I think that's an S. But it's like a Z. Movies with a Z. Oh, you're right. I think you'll find it's a Z. Oh, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) And while we're at it, aluminum? Oh, boy. (laughs) Yes, movies. 
With a Z? <laughs> movies with a Z. Okay. Maybe. Mm. It looks like you've kind of found like a little subliminal message hidden in those. Subliminal. Movies. Interesting that you would say subliminal. Um, Thinking back to the uh, uh, note that we found on the desk, uh, it seems to me that the word subliminal was used uh, to describe a password for that drawer that is locked. Could we try movies with a Z? Oh my gosh, can I make a drum roll? (laughs) (laughs) You type in the letters movies because, well, it makes perfect sense. Your local cinema here is called movies with a Z and the drawer pops open. The drawer pops open. There is a key ring inside, a different one from the one that you already had. You grab this new key ring and you dash for the front door. You try one key, then another, then another, and then, yes, you've got one that opens the front door. You wave Ryan goodbye. Oh, he doesn't, I know, he, how, I know what I'm going to use to wave goodbye to him, and it might just be one of my fingers. <laughs> That's right, the, the thumb. thumb. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You sprint out as fast as you can. You hope that you don't run into Blake in the corridor. You hope that Ryan didn't make it to texting them. You're going so fast that you tread on and almost slip over Ryan's keys that he slid under the door earlier. And you grab the wall to steady yourself and find yourself touching a piece of paper that's been taped to the wall with your name on it in big letters. You pull it down and you flip it over and it is written in your mystery friend's handwriting. This was not here when you first came in. You read it. Sorry, I could have warned you not to go to Ryan, but I doubt you'd have believed me. I think you needed to come here. Don't worry, though. I have a plan to get you out. Yes, out. You just have to go to the set location tomorrow and do what I say. You can barely contain your relief. You can be free. Actually free? You you don't even know what that would be like, but... It must be better than looking over your shoulder at every turn to see if your next best friend will betray you. The only bad part is you have to wait until tomorrow. Why can't you go to the location, presumably the movies? Why can't you go now? Well, you read on and, ooh, the answer to that becomes quite clear. Are we headed today? Uh, could you take me up to deck, uh, 12, please? No, 12, yet. Yeah. Uh, doing some shopping? No, no, um, I'm meeting up with my research team. We're giving a talk on Old Earth Media, the Nemerian form, at 6 o'clock. It's a tricky one, this elevator in particular. Yeah, uh, gotta give it some good old percussive maintenance now and again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not you're not gonna kill me in this thing, are you? 
No, 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 no. The HMR Starship Marigold has some of the finest interior civilian transport systems that money can buy. And you are in the best of care with none other than William H. Pendle, veteran elevator operator of 22 years, operating this one for you. Well, you see, I was just listening to this old audio play in MP3 format, if you can believe it, from the 21st century about a whole bunch of people who die in elevators. I figured the universe would have to have a pretty sick sense of humor to kill me in one right after that. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, the old audio plays. Uh, my yes. grandfather was kind of into those things back in the days. They, they were the ones that did dramatic retellings of sort of famous criminal cases, right? I think there were one or two like that. This was a fiction anthology series called Someone Dies in This Elevator. Uh, kind of spoiling the ending there, wouldn't you say? Well, yes and no. They called it spoiler-driven anthology series. You knew the end result going into it, but the writers got you there a different way each time. Might be an elevator accident or a murder that just happens in the elevator. Interesting. Uh, and you said this was the 21st century. Early 21st, really. Uh, back when they still called most audio plays podcasts. Or podcasts? I think it was podcasts. It premiered in 2021, but they still have the old website up somehow. Well, I assure you, there will be nobody dying in any elevator on this ship, uh, whether by <laughs> mechanical means or nefarious crimes. Everyone's got to take the elevator at some point, whether you're a service worker or an intergalactic business executive. Need to have them all safe as can be. <laughs> I bet even superheroes took the elevator back when that was a fad. I'm sure they did. No! No, 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 no. I thought engineering fixed the gears. All right, yeah, get out of the way. I just need a full emergency brake. <laughs> that was a close one. I assure you, you will not be dying in this elevator. I'm reassured. Thank you for that. Uh, engineering, this is elevator operator Pendle. Unit SQ-915 is currently stuck in the exterior chute next to deck 8. What do you mean the structural integrity of that chute is compromised? I'm about to die in an elevator, aren't I? You are not dying in my elevator, not aboard this ship. Engineering, could you please send someone oh, down here? That's a good sound, right? Well, it just sounded like the elevator chute was decoupled from the ship's exterior. <gasps> yeah, and that sounded like the marigold picking up speed. Are, are you telling me we're floating in an untethered elevator car in the middle of space while our ship flies away? I, I, I believe that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, great. I don't believe it. We're going to die in this elevator. Yeah, I seems so. Someone Dies in This Elevator is a spoiler-driven anthology podcast arriving at your floor April 26th, with 11 episodes dropping every other week. This trailer was written and sound designed by Brad Colebrook, with directing by Tal Minear. The podcast historian was Gabrielle Urbina, and the elevator operator was Fred Greenhalgh. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SDITEPod, and stay tuned for our crowdfunding campaign in March. <laughs>